This is a trigger warning. This episode contains instances where rape, sodomy, sexual assault, and violence are discussed. Viewer and or listener discretion is advised. Okay, you're on. Am I audible? Am I, am I, do I sound like you can hear me clearly? Why can't you see me? I can't see you too well, but I can hear you. Wave your hand. Yes. I see you move. I see you move. It works. Yay! Nobody move. Nobody <laughs> move from whenever they are. Everybody, all of you are in the right place. Take four of take 18. Uh, because uh, I'm not very good, clearly, at talking to a camera by myself. And the whole reason I was only comfortable comfortable with it was because there was another person there and it was basically like they were eavesdropping so it was a lot easier uh, and it's weird looking at my face talking I don't I don't get it I'm so sorry you guys I love all of you 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 all are so sweet uh, I have Avantika coming on board and Avantika is a law student she is in her fourth year at the ILS this is the first time I will be talking to someone about their views on uh, things that are actually happening around us uh, things that we're trying to work with as citizens, things that we're trying to change, things that we're trying to understand, things that we're trying to unlearn, relearn, all of that. And uh, Avantika will be here shortly. Until then, you have my music and me. If you have any feedback about any of these episodes that you watched earlier, please let me know. And that would be very helpful because I want to try to produce it better eventually. Right now I'm limited to a live stream and that's not very conducive for a conversation in my opinion. I mean, it works, it does, but uh, I would rather that it be a little more uh, well done. Like a little steak, I guess. I mean, I don't know if I could make that reference in this country, but no. So uh, yeah, I hope all of you are doing well and it's, it's still just say something in the comments so I can feel better yes thank you that helps that helps and for some of you who come in to just hype me up or uh, say embarrassing things I love you very much I do and I hope I hope you all had a good day I really hope you all had a good day I had a cook I had a very cool day and uh, it was very it was very peaceful. I mean, I was sleep deprived and uh, I tried to, you know, fix my sleep cycle. I actually did. You know, there was a point where I'd sleep at 10.30 and wake up at 4. And eventually I ended up, I fixed it for about two weeks. I was very proud of it. I felt like I was a real adult and, you know, doing all of this, you know, early to bed, early to rise, makes uh, Jill healthy, wealthy and wise, I guess. But then it didn't work out. But I had a great day today. I made, uh, I tried to save some plants and like save some plants in the sense of reviving dead soil. And uh, it's working. They almost got destroyed with a cyclone, but not bad. I mean, I think it worked. Closest thing to a podcast that we have. Uh, thank you. That means a lot, really. That really does. Uh, this is something I want to put onto all podcasting platforms. Some of you may not know about it. Uh, eventually, all of these will be available on uh, about four platforms, three or four platforms. So I'm going. I'm going to start with um, Anchor, Spotify, maybe SoundCloud, Google Podcasts. I'm contemplating SoundCloud right now, 
Uh, I'm thinking of YouTube. Thank you, Luhaiza. That's so sweet. I will let my mom know. They're very kind. Queen Zoe. Queen Zoe is very well. Thank you. She is. Uh, she thinks I am a child, and uh, that she owns everything that is mine. Uh, but yeah, she's good. I love her very much. She is. Uh, she's the joy of my life. Uh, even I've been trying to adult happens most days. Yeah, I know. I think it's a it's a whole try and test thing. I don't know how to adult, man. It's I don't get it. I was so excited about being thirteen and then being sixteen and then being eighteen and then twenty one and now I'm just I'm just I I don't I mean I don't understand the concept of age. I refuse to accept it. I it is just a number, but. It's the whole concept of adulting or doing things is just beyond me and my capacity. Uh, your first plan died too. So what? One thing I did. So the biggest problem I had was that when my grandmom would come home and visit, she stays with me about six months a year, and every time she's here, my plans come to life. And as soon as she leaves, she's like the Persephone of my family, and she comes in, and as soon as she leaves. Just plans will just go away because I mean I feel like it's not inculcated in me to uh, actually do it. I used to do it, but then I stopped, and then I stopped caring, which is not very good. So one thing I try to do is I try to uh, put some food waste in it. The last podcast, hey plug. Okay, so the last podcast I did was I shouldn't call it a podcast yet. It's not a podcast yet, but I will. I think it's uh, it will finally get me to start putting it out. Uh, so that was with uh, a friend of mine called Anu, and she runs a organization called Swadharini. Swadharini means self-sustenance, and basically she teaches you how to go zero waste, live sustainably. So you could actually look up stuff there and try to understand it better. I, you know, we spoke about things you could add to um, plants to revive them. Apparently, coffee helps. Yes, there is a video lag. It is about thirty seconds. I calculated. Uh, but yeah, I hope all of you are good. I've already said that, and I am trying not to be. Uh, I don't know. It's it's weird, man. I mean, I don't understand how people are going live. I mean, I know I'm doing it, so that's very hypocritical of me. But still, most important thing about being an adult is learning finances. Use credit wisely. I am not going to say anything about that because I have I'm at a point right now where I don't think I can even afford a meal at McDonald's. I'm very glad that my mother's still paying for me. I think, but eventually I want to change that. So coffee apparently helps with nitrogen, if I'm not wrong. I mean I don't know if Anu's watching because I saw her join, but I don't. I'm scared of moving this. But yeah, and that's the. If you guys have any song requests, let me know. Ideally, something chill and lo-fi, uh, or maybe not use credit. Yes, I mean if I don't, I don't exactly understand credit very much, and I do feel like I wish we were taught that earlier. It's not, it's not. I don't know. I should stop saying I don't know a lot. You know, I've realized that in these podcasts, I I keep saying things like I don't know. My mom said the other day that I say that's pretty much it. All the time, and yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> Losing my job was the only worst. It was the only way I learned it the hard way. Yeah, 
I understand. I think we learn like that sometimes. Even though people advise us not to do things, we will make our own mistakes. To err is human at the end of the day. I've been discovering some great songs. It's I've been feeling so good about it. I hope you guys are enjoying the music you're listening to. I hope you're creating art. I hope you are writing if you used to when you stopped. I hope you are you realize that just because you're working from home it does not mean you should be available to someone 24 hours a day. You need to take that time off. And um I hope you are kinder or I hope this made you kinder than you felt like you were already because we cannot be we can never be too kind to someone and it's sometimes you have to learn that the hard way I guess I did went on I did go on a complete tangent no yeah maybe maybe and hello hello Yay, thanks. So I uh do this thing sometimes where I just play music for uh, my friends. Like I go live and just play stuff. So yeah, it's it's a huge playlist. I have a playlist that's called Volume to Adderall, which is a joke because Volume makes you sleep and Adderall hypes you up. Uh so it is sorted by the energy level and I have as of now I have about uh let me confirm hold on i'll tell you how many tracks i have about 2262 tracks in it and that's about 12 hours and 56 minutes of music so i pick you know what song i i feel like a what song is my mood at this moment and then i just progress it works wonders i keep changing it like i keep uh, modifying it every few months but yeah yeah man hate those unplanned video calls but everyone thinks they can call at any point cuz at home Yeah and that's why D&D helps and uh, a lot of other things just tell them you know it's not work hours and that's pretty much it and yeah it's quite nice I've been watching a few movies reading a few books I read the white tiger recently Ooh Saturn yes mad world I think I have but I can't be too sure let me confirm uh hold up i am yeah mad world is anna kelly right it's it's actually right after this i think or no it's not right after this oh it's on shuffle that's why it's playing there it's okay that's how it made sense uh neil from my friend in the my friend the forest okay I would love to play Saturn next because it's one of my favorite um, that video is so beautiful if any of you haven't watched the video by sleeping at last it's called Saturn the planet and it's one of the best videos I've ever watched I came across it about 3 years ago I think uh how's that going I hope yeah reading is great I picked up I'm right now uh this phone even though you can't see it is stacked on a bunch of books because i didn't want to sit at my desk and uh yeah it's right and my room is a mess but i'm so glad you can only see this side and not what's there and i'm so scared of you know flipping the camera by mistake uh i've been trying to digitize and organize my library i mean digitize in the sense of the inventory not digitize the whole library because that is insane 
I read The White Tiger recently and I'm not very sure about how I feel about it in the sense of, uh, I don't know, it's just, it's very well written, I will give it that. And I was trying to see what, you know, made it, you know, win the Booker Prize. And I, it's so vivid and it's, it, but it's also, I don't know, I, I say I don't know a lot. So every time I say I don't know, I think someone should, you know, stop. Read one, read one, so I feel, feeling good, been a while though. Good, I'm glad. I try to start this thing with my mom where we sit and uh, at three o'clock every day, we sit and read a book together so she reads one book I read one because we have my mother has had this beautiful habit of picking up a book for every month and uh, that didn't really you know okay I'm playing Saturn next but then it kind of stopped but then I picked it up and now I'm someone who picks up books by the kilo which is not very great for my mom or the space in my house that's available to keep books but yeah Okay, I'm going to try to play Saturn, but it's not playing. I don't know why it's not playing. Okay, hold up. Uh, so my internet's acting quite weird. So I'm worried. Okay. Wait, Saturn. Saturn. Hello, hello, hello. Okay. Yeah, okay, I think it's playing now. It should. I don't know. My Wi-Fi is acting very strange. I don't understand it. So that's Saturn by Sleeping at Last. And I'm wondering where Avantika is. I don't know. But, uh... We are playing a song for now. Yes, I did. I did. Okay, I'm adding Avantika. Okay, let's see. To pick out my questions, I have this little book in which I've written all the questions for you. Hi. Hi, give me a sec. I'm just setting up everything. Okay, it's okay. We're playing a song. There, I was in an ADR thing. Never mind. That's okay. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Good. Good. Uh, is the music too loud? What music? I can't even hear. Okay, I'm pausing it anyway. I was just taking song requests for the music for you. Okay. So, okay. So you are a law student, and you have you are also the founder of an organization called Do It for the Hood. So I would like for you. I know that, but I would I would like for you to tell our listeners a little more about. Um. I mean, about like what do it for both and and something we don't know. Okay. And, yeah. Okay, just give me a second. Uh, Sahil, unfortunately, no music will be played because my guest of honor is here. So tell me a little more about uh, your decision to be a lawyer and how you start to do it for Okay, so I initially didn't want to be a lawyer. I had no idea about any of this. I mainly wanted to be a doctor, but I sucked at math. Like, I sucked hmm. at math. And I was hmm. in Mary. If you suck at math in um, Mary's, if, like, all your teachers are going to hate you. They will, I mean, not hate you, but they're definitely going to think that you're kind of stupid. 
So um, our teachers tell me, no, you can do it, you can do it, and whatever. And in ninth grade, I remember Pune Anyone happened, and it was this um, model United Nations conference thing. And I'm sorry, I'm a mess. I just had a formal meeting, so I had my head tied up anyway. So I had Anyone conference, and um, the way we were roped into it was that if you want to do science, you should participate as a delegate. in the united nations committee for scientific technology and development so i went in there thinking oh my god i want to be a doctor i should be part of this mun conference which is focused on like science and technology and then i got exposed to all of this like law like what do you say like public international law and more law based stuff and i got exposed to research and um that sort of that sort of stuff and i realized i'm good at it So I didn't win best delegate. I didn't win anything, and I was kind of broken hearted because I'm a very like I need to win whatever I put myself into. So I was like, damn, I got to do this. So I chose commerce in eleventh and twelfth, and um, I exposed myself more and more to like legal studies and legal research, and it made me realize like the more I read, the more I realized that there's so much like. social injustice going on and we require so many laws to you know hold like the place together and it's still falling apart and i don't like not all the you know government officials we require to do their jobs correctly they're not doing any of that so um i pune anyone happened and i remember that was i think the ecosoc so it was the economic cultural and social council and i think we once had one best delegate out there like everyone says everyone is useless but they're not i know so many people who found their path at these sort of conferences and it was a i think it took off after that and um, i was made to choose my profession in like 11th grade my parents threw me into you know like law classes etc and they were like you have to do this and i was into it and i love law college it's been great but i realized there's more to this than being like a lawyer or more to this than being someone who is well read etc i realized i have so many privileges and i've always been very vocal about like issues regarding feminism or secularism and just everything that's going on in our country and even like internationally however there were people from our circle who were doing enough um to help the Like dialogue is important. Dialogue is very important. Dialogue initiates um, change. However, um, you need to actually physically go out there and do things. So if you have an issue with, say, um, a tax being imposed, there was a luxury tax imposed on like sanitary, sanitary like sanitation, sanitary pads for women, etc. And I was like, how? Why? They don't impose sanit like any sort of luxury tax on men's personal hygiene products. Why does this happen when it comes to women's, you know, menstrual hygiene products? That's something that innately we have. It's not something we choose. And um, I remember when we started to do it for the hood. I was at this point where I realized I need to start actually, you know, manifesting the change that I want to see. And we started to do it for the hood with that aim. Um, I had amazing friends which. you know who um eventually became the oc and we had more and more volunteers come in and then i remember two weeks into us starting do it for the hood not even two weeks i guess the kerala flood happened 
and everyone was sending in like food or like ration and clothes etc which is super important but no one was sending sanitary pads and i realized there are women out there in flood affected areas they don't have access to um any of this and it's being overlooked and they probably have to use like cloth or sand or leaves and it's not it's not a good situation so ever since then we've had of course the maharashtra floods that happened etc and we've donated with the help of the community in pune like do it for the world is mainly a grassroots level um organization so we really you know mobilize neighborhoods um along with all of the young people in these neighborhoods to donate and share their privilege with people who require it and then we had them um we sent in like around 6000 to 6500 pads to these places wow. yeah over over to um to donation drives and then the ca nrc movement happened and i think the ca nrc movement was it mobilized everybody like at the protests which we held everybody was a part of it um we had people from every single walk of life it, it wasn't just the privileged people and previously you know protests etc um for events in which it was most it mostly had underprivileged people because minorities um of any kind like economic social gender based minorities cultural minorities religious minorities they all are the most like most affected so they end up protesting however there's privileged people out there who choose to do absolutely nothing with their privilege but now um when they saw a government that's supposed to take care of them and promise them achievement for so long they were doing the exact opposite and it really i think it unified the country it was it planned to divide us but i think it had like the exact opposite right So well I'm glad you brought all of this up because my questions are based on this for you. Uh now do you think do you really do you think that there's a sort of stigma associated with uh the profession of law or taking up law like there is one with of being a doctor or an engineer? Um I don't think there's any stigma such of course some people say um Lawyers are liars, and you know why do you want to be in a profession where you defend uh, criminals, etc. And I think everyone, including a real-life criminal of any kind, has a right to access um, a lawyer. Has a right to access, you know, the legal system, the judicial system, no matter what. So everyone has a right to representation and legal representation, which is why even though it's really hard to represent someone that you personally believe or you personally know to be a criminal, she still has a, like a right to having a lawyer. If this guy doesn't have a lawyer, if no one was ready to represent the bad guy, then the good guy, the victim, the survivor is they'll have no way to um get justice. So I think everyone has a role to play. and i think the biggest stigma when it comes to being a woman lawyer is that most um law firms and i think the situation with law firms is actually improved now because we have people like zia modi and really big you know women lawyers they've gone on to start their own firms and they've made a name for themselves but at the same time there's a lot of um 
general like i think in more like on district court levels like when it comes to litigation it's extremely extremely hard as a woman to establish yourself because i'll tell you when i went for my internships i was wondering why there were all of these men around and i remember just looking around asking this associate who was with me she was a woman as well and she i asked her why are there there aren't enough women um lawyers like litigators why is this so and she told me all of the women lawyers they most of them or all of them but a majority of them end up getting married and managing being a lawyer along with being like a wife and a mother etc it's really hard and because of that there isn't enough opportunity given to um female lawyers to sort of they don't they aren't given a platform as much as men and because it takes so much like mental and emotional strength and effort to be in a courthouse which is not exactly the most gentlest of environments i think male lawyers with platforms that they could give their associates they don't want to share it because they think these people aren't going to do anything with it they think women are not well equipped or maybe they're just not tough enough and i've seen a lot of women lawyers and they have all the grit in the world so i think um i think that needs to change somewhere and what is your biggest takeaway with the current state of women's rights in india right i think it's improved it's definitely improved i think the laws in our country are great like property laws have changed uh, before i think before 2005 we didn't have equal um property rights when it comes to inheritance yeah. etc and now we slow like now we have that since 2005 we've had that but um even though all of the laws are in place i think the implementation is terrible i know people right. who have reached out to me for although i'm i'm still in my fourth year of law school so i can't give legal advice to anyone however i can in like my informal personal capacity um i can tell them what they can do and um it's really heartbreaking to see that when people have called the cops in cases of domestic violence the cops have literally just said he's your husband or like he they are your parents they can hit you so they have the cops actually coming in and saying that yeah these are all of the laws however we don't care about your laws we care about the ground reality and your parents and your husband or whoever they have the agency to hit you because they care about you and it's super twisted you would expect the police to do their job however the laws are not translating in the right way there's no gender sensitization they still send um a company of all male laws to deal with domestic violence issues which is their yeah. way of imposing their patriarchy on us they don't get the women um cops they just keep the women cops around i don't know why this happens but it does happen so i think even though the laws are in place the translation isn't happening and that needs to be changed the only thing though i think personally what i feel is that the more we have um the more we have people and the more we have like citizen um, civil participation in these processes uh this could be changed otherwise I, i honestly have no idea how it can be changed we need more feedback mechanisms we need more like real time assessment um the cops actually do call you so if you call the cops on whoever because they you know they, they in case of domestic violence or whatever you'll have like a cop call you and ask you for feedback and the feedback is literally did they come to your place and like figure it out and then um, the person says like yes or no or whatever and they're like okay cool i just want a feedback from you and then that's it 
end of story yeah. and then you have to and then they say you know get a, get your lawyer involved file like a charge sheet or etc they won't give a warning to anyone it's it's a big mockery and that needs to change for sure i do i do agree with you on that and also domestic violence in general it's i it's not something i'm okay with at all we have a question that says to what extent do online petitions influence or put pressure on the actual judgment i think this has something to do with the with the pregnant elephant i'm going to get your question wait online the one did yeah um okay so i don't i'm going to be extremely honest about this the supreme court the judges place right now the treatment of the judges it's it's terrible they are transferring judges left right center they don't agree with um, the centers as far as separation yeah, of power the informal sphere of things really like overlapping and if you're a good and honest judge there's no case for you however judges like uh, justice chandrashekar for example okay. he's great he is he's changed his own father's judgment so they come from a lawyer, from like a family of i think he's a third generation um, judge or something and he's actually overturned his father's judgment so his dad was the one who said that you know homosexuality etc is unnatural and all of that has changed now so there is like a generation of you know um, like legal uh, pioneers and they are ensuring this change happens i think um, i was listening to justice chandrachurd's um, an interview which he had and people were asking him you know as a judge you really have to you're separated from society a lot so that you there's no bias in your judgments and people can't reach out to you and bribe you so there is um, a separation between the judges and civil society so they ask him how do you ensure that um, you're in touch with society what society expects of you what sort of judgments you should dish out and he said reading and social media like observing whatever was going on in social media observing uh, public reaction on various news channels and um, just and like you know being aware of whatever was going on in the press and the reality of matters is the great way so i think all of these petitions and influencers etc talking about these issues is actually making a big difference because once you make a hue and cry about these things especially in india right like you only have to you have to make a hue and cry about everything and that's the only time you're going to be heard unfortunately it is like that i don't think there's anything um indecent about it i don't think there's anything um, it has to be done people need to stop looking at it as they need to stop frowning down on people who have an opinion and are fighting for their right because it's uncool whatever i think it's super deny people of their rights so um, when it comes to this i think it's important any petition any sort of reaction um, it generates um a, i think it's a chain reaction and it's required and judges actually note this like your, your lawmakers your policy makers um politicians people in parliament ias officers like the judges of the supreme court everyone's taking note of this. so it's super important right do you think fundamental rights are taken seriously um okay so the thing with fundamental rights is that it's um so for example if someone is talking about the anti ca movement 
and i as a private individual i have an issue with it so if i um tape his mouth i'm going to be restricting his freedom of speech his freedom to move this is a very like novice example just explain it in like simple simple terms so i i'm obviously like restricting his agency and that's against what the fundamental rights of our country sort of have i mean what they the notion that they're trying to carry forward however you can't um you can't so you can swim under like general law and like torts law however you can't um say you can't go into a court of law and say oh, he like violated my fundamental rights because only the state can violate your fundamental rights because they sort of like the constitution gives that to you so you can sue the state if say like a government authority or if the police or any um, government authority essentially you know violate your fundamental rights which is problematic because a current government violates everyone's fundamental rights and the supreme court can or any sort of court honestly is doing very little about it because there's such a tight restraint like put on them okay so do you think that as an indian society do you think we respect the constitution and its remedies um i think that's subjective i think a lot mm-hmm. of i think our generation definitely somehow somewhere does because we have been educated in all of these things etc so that change is there however um the politicians in our country the lawmakers etc that older people who don't share the same progressive right. values and there is a very conservative approach so until we have people of our generation participating in this is um not going to be seriously right and okay so if like you said you know the even a person who is perpetrating crime is uh you know given the constitutional remedies of say having a lawyer for example right. now if in a situation where you are asked to do that and this person is completely on the opposite end of your moral spectrum yeah and if they are in the completely opposite side of your moral spectrum do you really think it will uh, do you really think you would pick up that case to defend the per- perpetrator obviously lawyers get a lot of um, backlash if they representing someone like for example the nirbhaya the nirbhaya case his their lawyer was actually trash like he actually went into um new channels and spoke shit about oh why was she out there at, like late at night why was she out there with a boyfriend and blah 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 and um, he victim blamed essentially and i think that's disgusting because she has the right to do that and you as a lawyer know that she has a right to do that but you're still going forward and on national television you're trash talking someone um who is essentially like she died because of the way that your clients have treated her so i think when you're representing a criminal you need to separate your personal opinions and personal perspective and ensure that um ensure that you're just there to represent your client like no one's even if the news people do ask you what your personal opinion is that i think you keep it very very um keep it at bay from what what's going on in the courthouse right and uh do you 
you know, do you feel that sometimes that that gets lost in translation? What gets lost in translation? You know, where people can't keep their personal views away from the client that they're defending. Um, Does it happen? So when you're a litigator, right, I think there's a lot of um, pressure to maintain like your PR and maintain your image and you eventually gain a reputation for being like a defense attorney or, you know, someone who like represents your client, like uh, an innocent person, like a survivor, you know, some a lawyer who specifically caters to um, ensuring justice to like the victim. But there's also like the lawyers who represent the bad guys simply because they're really good at it. Like Ramjeet Malani. Yeah. So um, that's definitely a problem. I think that's definitely a problem, but you can't. There's nothing you can do about it. I think I, there's obviously a set of um, values and models that people need to follow when they're lawyers, but doesn't always happen. Right. And what was it like for you to be a law student in, you know, when the conversation about CAA and NRC is so prevalent and the conversation about whether we're truly a democracy is so prevalent? What was it, what is it like for you as a law student? Um, I think it was an interesting time to be alive as a law student, as anyone who was part of like the law system in India, it was such a blatant violation of our fundamental rights. And the manner in which the government just took it forward was insane. It completely violated, you know, your right to um, not being discriminated against because of your religion. And they just blatantly, blatantly violated it. So, um, it was shocking. And I think it, it showed everyone that, you know what, the government, like the parliament, they don't care. They know that they have like this majority because of this Hindutva narrative going on. And they're going to write thoughts as much as they can to form their um, agenda for like Hindu state, which obviously sucks, but it I think it showed how much um, our laws and our legal system is not translating into reality. And it shows how important it is to regulate the sort of informal um, alternative reality that's going on. And I think uh, the way that the police, especially, they do have you know special powers, etc. But the way that the police blatantly misused these powers to, to break down like um, public surveillance mechanisms, the way they shot at unarmed peaceful protesters who were literally like hundreds of meters away. Um, the way they let the Delhi riots just happen. Like at one end we have Donald Trump who visited Delhi for like his whatever event with Modi. And the other half of Delhi was literally burning. And no one gave a shit. No. I think it goes to show that you really need to vote for a different government. It doesn't matter if you have Rahul Gandhi at the head of that government, because I would rather have someone who is probably not such a good statesman instead of having a murderer um, out there. Right. And coming to that, what according to you is uh, secularism? Um, 
secularism to put it across really simply is it's a notion that involves um, the that religion is kept separate from the state and even if you have a party that supports uh, a specific religious ideology they don't rule the country with that same ideology or impose it to put it across really simply and that's obviously being violated i i don't think they should i i think they should completely discount the bjp as a political party because it's more like a religious organization at this point right and uh, with so much information around you about and you know stuff that you know turns out to be uh, news that is not authentic or you know stuff that is uh, so jarring for example and how do you manage to keep yourself sane through that and filter that and not get bogged down by it it's jolly really really difficult to do that um i actually took like a week off instagram in the middle because after the entire um hydra thank you very much yes i think it's i think we i think taking time off social media and the news is imperative because that's the only way you can keep yourself sane i think there's a lot of information out there a lot of content out there and while access to it is important and it's imperative that developing a narrative however at the same time um it's overwhelming so take how much information you can tolerate and doing something about it and using your privilege to like an actual world cause of physically manifests itself is great but i think taking time off um, for yourself and your mental health is important you don't have to constantly be out there standing up for whatever you think is right you don't have to go out every time there's a trend on social media or people are posting like black lives matter or like your black posts so whatever just don't absorb how much ever you can absorb because everyone has their own capacity and i don't think it's right for people to pick on anyone and say that you be silent on this so why have you been silent on this maybe people have different priorities and your mental health is above everything else so as long as you're being proportionate with your reaction um and not occupying too much space at the same time it's great right so when you say you know people's priorities what are you what you take on people making the comparison of uh what happened to george floyd in minneapolis to what happened here and when okay, people put so, up put up stuff about black lives matter and people were you know told all over and you know they received a lot of backlash for for saying that you know you were silent when something happened at home so what's your take on that like? apathy the amount of apathy that um privileged indian people like people that we are friends with or just the general diaspora you know what i'm talking about the general apathy and ignorance they have when it comes to matters at home is highlighted during this entire black lives matter movement i think it's great that they are standing up for the black lives matter movement i think it's um, super important for them to um 
point out whatever like racial discrimination and the violence and police brutality that's going on in the states however it's also important to point out what's going on at home because as anyone like you are participating in someone's oppression at home like me even if i'm not doing anything to like um even if i'm a good person like i don't discriminate i don't support police brutality etc just by the fact that i'm existing in a system um that perpetrates this violence as someone from like an upper caste or like or economically socially well off individual i have a responsibility to not be silent i have a responsibility to actually do something with my privilege and ensure that this stops happening um the same way white people in the us are standing up for this movement the black lives matter movement they're standing up against police brutality similarly people like hindus out here like people who have um the resources both social and economic to put a stop to police brutality that goes on against muslims right the violence against dalits the violence against women um stand up against police brutality in india especially when protests are going on that to peaceful protests these same people are absolutely silent about it and it's their hypocrisy and their double standard and their lack of sensitivity and their lack of being vocal against the same issues that go on go on at home um is that I have a problem with and that needs to they need to start being more vocal them being selectively vocal about issues that go on out here but they're vocal about the same issue that goes on abroad it goes to prove that um they somehow don't they they have they don't have a human um point of view when it comes to minorities in india i think for a lot yeah. of people uh, minorities in india are very dehumanized and we're sort of like insensitive to what goes on out here and because there's so much like rap and hip hop culture that a lot of indian teens try to mimic or they appreciate and they just want to be a part of which i have no problem with i am one of those people i love um hip hop right. culture we listen to their music it's great uh i think i think for them they sort of romanticize what it's like to be a black person and they think it's cool to be black and it's cool to stand up for like the black lives matter movement and oh my gosh like kanye west and jay z and there's all these cool artists which they really like um who are black which is why they're standing up for it because they think it's cool but social i think social justice movements in general they don't have to have some sort of pop culture sentiment for you to be sensitive to them and for you to um stand up for it so i think people need to have an equal standard when it comes to what's happening at home and what's happening abroad and the way they react to it right but do you think i i have a bunch of follow up questions on this because Do you think it's important when you're coming to humanizing? Do you think it is important to actually because I've seen a lot of people talk about like you said that even Hindus stood up for this. Is it important to mention what that person's fate is just because they're supporting injustice that is happening to someone else? Do you even while the I mean that do you think it is necessary to highlight or is it something that has become an inherent part? of our bringing to highlight the faith of someone when we're saying okay we're supporting a minority rather than it just being that okay i am not okay with another human being treated like this 
Um, I think um, the problem lies in the fact that people have, uh, I think, like radical, any radicalized individual, right? Whether it's a radical Islamist or a radical Hindu person, like a Hindutva-induced person, um, if they have a problem with somebody else's life, their right to life and their right to have an opinion, simply because of their religion or their gender or um, their personal choices, that's a problem for me. Right. And okay. everyone has a right to it. Like, even if I meet someone who has, um, who thinks Muslims are terrible people and they're all terrorists and they should be thrown out of India and go to Pakistan, I detest your opinion, but I don't detest your right to an opinion. You right. have a right to opinion. I respect your right because the constitution gives you that right. However, for you to um, have a, for these same people to have an issue with somebody else's right to have an opinion and their right to life, I, that's where the problem comes in. Right. Okay. So we have a question that just went up. I'm just going to go there. Uh, so one is, uh, what's your take on the UCC, which is the Uniform Civil Code? On what? Yes no? The UCC, the Uniform Civil Code. Right. So, um, are you I'm actually very conflicted when it comes to the Uniform Civil Code. It's important. I think it helps remove a lot of social, like social cultural problems within the country, especially when it comes to the treatment of um, Muslim women, the problems they face when it comes to marriage and divorce, etc. However, I think India has so many cultures and so many laws which are inspired by these cultures and um, traditions. And there's a lot of people who want that to still exist. So right. I think if the Uniform Civil Code was made sensitive towards um, religious sentiments and the practices, as long as the practices aren't harming anyone and as long as the practices are respecting everyone's rights and, you know, everyone's safe and no one's being discriminated or taken advantage of. It's great. Right. Okay. The next one is discount the BJP, which amassed the largest voter base since the 1980s twice. Isn't that democracy? And is everyone who voted for the BJP incorrect, according to you? Um... In my personal opinion, everyone has a right to vote for whoever they want. Go ahead. Uh, there's a lot of, I mean, we need to remember that India is essentially a Hindu majority state. There are, it's inherently a very Hindutva sort of country. And um, that's going to go on forever. There's always going to be more Hindu people than Muslims or uh, any other religious group, essentially. However, what the BJP has done is that they've manipulated people into thinking that it's us against another community. Right. Any community that's not Hindu, they have a problem with, unless of course it's a white person because the BJP has always been and is still like a bootlicker. Um, it's still a bootlicker party. They still think white people are great. They suck up to the US, they suck up to Trump, they recently they even bent to Trump's who like Trump was like if India doesn't give us um, the resources we require to battle COVID, like the medicine or something, 
then there's going to be repercussions and even though we had limited supplies they gave it to the us where they should have said they should have not bowed down to white supremacy they shouldn't have bowed down to western power and they should have kept those resources for their own people they didn't do that that was a really terrible foreign policy um, decision however it exposed how the bjp feels and what the sentiment is so i know that even though a lot of people did vote for the bjp a lot of people also went up against them when the ca and rc movement happened the ca and rc right. movement had um people from every single religious group people who have voted for bjp people who expected that chedan people who have defended narendra modi for the past how many years he's been in power and all of these people came into the streets because here the bjp was taking away people's fundamental rights they were depriving people of their rights and that's yeah. something people have an issue with because you know one day it's the muslims one day it's the christians one day it's anybody else who is not a hindu but then it's going to start um they're eventually going to get to the hindus they're eventually going to get yeah, to um, yeah the lower castes they they've already got to the dalits but there's other lower castes in india and they're eventually going to get to all of the lower castes and they're going to try and suppress them and especially women because no matter what it's even upper caste women um within their families within their communities they're still second to um hindu men like hindu upper caste men so right. even within the upper caste there is going to be a gender based discrimination there's going to be economic um discrimination if a if there's a rich hindu family and a poor hindu family the poorer sections are going to be discriminated against they're not going to be taken into consideration when it comes to policy making so i think the cnrc movement made people realize that one day it's them but then it's eventually going to be you right uh i wanted to understand because i'm glad you mentioned western power and bowing down to it or the whole idea of bowing down to it do you think the incident with in minneapolis and the whole you know the way the black lives matter took momentum the movement for that matter because we knew about it a few years ago also do you think the kind of coverage it got got that kind of coverage and that kind of traction simply because of the fact that uh, the us was considered to be a western superpower positive um i think it is said i think more than the us being a superpower it's a more cultural thing right so like i said before for non black communities for like asian communities and people all over the world who are exposed to rap and hip hop culture they think being a black person involves wearing gold chains and being icy and like all of that and um they think to be black is a fashion statement or is it's what hip hop portrays it to be and while a lot of hip hop does go to explain that there's a lot of police brutality going on and um that black people face a lot of issues that's the main point of like rap and hip hop is to expose what the black community has gone through and to celebrate what they have so it's great that um these artists have achieved so much um economically socially culturally and it's great how they've um normalized their culture and shown that um explained what the culture is about 
however they don't mean to do that as a fashion statement they were mean to do that to make a white kid or like an indian kid think it's cool to be black it's normal for them to be black that's what they've been born into those are the problems that they are facing for you to treat it as a trend for you to treat being black as a trend for you to think uh police brutality or like gang violence or any of the school and um, for you to think that it's okay to use the n word it's terrible and if you're standing out for the black lives matter um movement because you think it's cool or because it's a trend or because it's a us problem that sucks part 2 of take 18 with avantika kadapati we are discussing caa nrc being in india through all of this being an indian through all of this what it means we're discussing fundamental rights women's rights we're discussing what else are we discussing i'm thinking i'm stuck on something constitutional remedies that were available uh yeah so quite a bit of that yeah oh see no i'm kidding what so long but what i can't hear you can you hear me now yeah yeah for those of you watching this is what it feels like to be on a video call with me and my internet but yeah. coming back uh to what we were discussing uh okay so i want to make it a little maybe a little lighter if possible but then we will still touch up on a few other things that i wanted to talk to you about uh what is a loophole that you found in the constitution have you found a loophole in the constitution yeah i have found any loopholes in the constitution yet i think it's very well adopted um there's there's i haven't found any loopholes it's really difficult to find a loophole in the constitution of india it's the biggest constitution in the world and they've borrowed bits and pieces from constitutions all over like japan ireland the entire place so i don't i don't think i'm a constitutional expert as such so to point out any loopholes okay and what about the ipc but are there any loopholes in that that we don't know about as citizens define loophole like are you trying to say a, a something that people can get away from yes um okay so i think is rape etc uh it's considered a crime against women however when a man when it's so the way the um, law is mentioned like stated drafted in the ipc the if a man uh penetrates or possess, makes a woman put her mouth on any sort of like genitalia etc it, it's very it's very graphic i don't want to mention all of that but it's considered rape and it's considered violence against women right it's considered sexual assault etc however these same laws aren't there when it comes to men right so they don't um specifically consider someone doing the same acts they do to a woman a man doing the same acts to a woman they they consider that rape but they, if a woman did the same thing to a man that's not considered rape it's probably considered like sexual assault or whatever like harassment um assault definitely battery maybe but it's not considered rape and i think that's a major problem in the ipc i do understand why that's there though it's they don't think a woman can rape a man simply because women are already um oppressed and men can probably twist the law into their favor and you know dish out um complaints against women 
but i don't think that's justified because women can do that as well so you need i think that law has to be made more balanced because men do get raped it does happen and it needs to there there have to be man specific laws to prevent it from happening right i agree i agree so uh, tell me this what do you think is the one thing that you wish law colleges or law schools taught their students but don't uh they cover everything honestly law schools have it's it's a it's an interesting process to go through i think the one thing the legal um education system in india lacks is to teach the realities of litigation so being a lawyer um like the kind of lawyer who goes to courts right not just a lawyer that sits in like a corporate office or whatever actually being a like a litigator someone who goes to court someone who deals with suits etc um it's really it's hard the indian legal system like going into court being a lawyer all of the procedures like um the civil code procedure etc the way it translates into reality is very different so they don't teach you litigation they definitely teach you the laws but they don't teach you litigation and that needs to they need to include that into the curriculum so one way that's included in the curriculum is that they have moot court classes etc and they have moot court competitions but they don't teach it to you which needs to be included right okay coming to the lockdown that we are in i hope you're staying home yeah absolutely <laughs> okay so uh through this lockdown where does personal freedom end and societal responsibility start according to you so actually according to like a lot of laws in the ipc and then like the and there's a specific law that governs like endemic pandemic situations in the country um it's actually considered to be uh, i think homicide if you go out into the open and you know you violate um, orders from public officials etc it's actually considered like homicide homicide attempt to murder etc because you could have that disease and or the virus or whatever and you could transmit it to other people because it's transmittable so it's super important for you to listen to what the government officials are telling you because you don't know the nature of the virus yet and if your rights are infringing on someone else's rights or if your personal space space or if your decisions could potentially have a negative effect on somebody else's rights and their actual um more than their rights like their actual situation like how their rights translate that's a problem so it's everyone has a right to like move around etc but it's within a reasonable limit and that aspect of a reasonable limit um established by due procedure is really important right uh, have you been reading through this lockdown been what have you been reading any non legal books during the lockdown non legal books not really although i did um i started this new uh, murakami book i think it's called iq 78 uh, alo the exact name of the book but that's a book i've been reading during lockdown it's fun it's really fact though but it's a great book hmm okay that's nice so coming to do it for the hood uh, you recently worked towards uh, providing a lot of ration kits for uh, a lot of the migrant workers in pune and i noticed that i also did notice that you added sanitary pads in that for an entire month but yeah. not a month sorry 30 sanitary pads 
per kid. And that's not something I've seen very often. So what is the one thing that you have learned about the state of affairs at the grassroots level with the migrant workers? Uh, that's changing. I think a lot of NGOs now are definitely including sanitary pads and feminine hygiene products um, into their kits. I've seen that over the past two, three years, this has definitely picked up and there's more and more organizations that are donating feminine hygiene products. It's great. Um, you also have to keep into consideration that um, most of the migrant workers are men. And the women of their family aren't out here because they've all come from different states and now they've shifted to Maharashtra. So um, while we did have to pr provide feminine hygiene products to a lot of underprivileged people, it was also mostly men which is something we noticed when we started assessing the distress calls and designing kits for everyone. Right. And what is the one thing you learned about how they are treated or is there something you took away from that because of, you know, their need or the urgency to go back home with the exodus that is going on? Uh, I mean, when it comes to the government, I think it's pretty clear that they were completely insensitive. They didn't care. I think... I think, I mean, the way the attitude of, I mean, Amit Shah recently, what he said was, um, oh, the migrant workers should have been more patient. But they waited for like months, like weeks on end, like I think three to four weeks before they actually started moving back to their, like, their villages, etc. because they didn't have the funds to sustain themselves within a city. The cost of living is extremely high to live in cities. And the only way they sustain themselves and, you know, send money back home is because they have employment. Of course, now they don't have employment. So for Amit Shah to tell migrant workers who probably don't even earn like the minimum daily wage to be more patient is goes to establish their apathy. And the sort of um, this attitude which he has almost goes to establish that he doesn't care for these people and he's OK with them dying off. That's it. That's it. It's, it's very harsh. But I genuinely believe they think this to tell people who have lost, um, who come to the big city to earn money, they've, you know, ex they're exposed to COVID much more than privileged people sitting in their homes are. To tell them to be patient for over a month so that they can go back home, it's uh, inhuman at best. Do you think it's a privilege to be able to express your opinion? It's definitely a privilege to express your opinion. Um, I know so many people who have told me um, that they support me being super vocal about issues or talking about um, problems that affect minorities. While I don't do so to occupy space because I think it's important for these people to take, for minorities to represent themselves in these movements. It's important for minorities to be at the helm of all of these movements. And the biggest rule of allyship is to support this, um, to support the minorities, to support minority leaders, but to do it from, you know, the side. So, of course, I'm a woman and um, I would be able to, you know, sort of be an authoritative position or to be super vocal or occupy space, as they say, in these social movements. However, there's also like women who aren't, um, who belong to like sexual minorities or um transgender women and women from poorer backgrounds, underprivileged backgrounds, women who are who come from religious and ethnic minorities. It's important for them to be at the helm of this. 
but a lot of them are not able to do it and that's because they do we do operate in a system in which um the minority is rule so if minorities i mean sorry where majority is rule like hindus and men and etc like white people um so it's important to be a good ally and to do it in a way which facilitates more minorities to um be vocal about their issues because we have this privilege to do so and once we start normalizing um ourselves having opinions and being vocal about them only then will it be normal for also minorities for a culture of minorities to be vocal um as well right and uh, i recently actually read something uh where trans people weren't even given access to ration kits which was uh, abominable but they also it also talks about how they don't have the rights so they're not registered as citizens or considered as citizens so is there something that you have on the table that you want to do to do it for the hood when it comes to um accessing benefits it's extremely hard for transgender people i do not have much to say about this because um i think it goes for any sort of minority right any minority in any system has a problem when it comes to accessing benefits and transgender people are um i think one of the worst affected because it's i don't know how to explain it they aren't only they they aren't only economic minorities because most transgender people they aren't given enough employment opportunities simply because they're transgender but it's also um because they're vastly different i think the problem of gender is somewhere um it's it's bigger than the problem of religious or ethnic minorities at least from what i've seen i think because it's it's so it's so out there you know it's so out there to be a transgender person and it's awful what's happening to them i know a lot of organizations that are specifically providing ration kits to um transgender people because they haven't been able to access it and i really appreciate those organizations for noticing that this problem exists and um contributing to alleviate the situation right so uh on a lighter note what's the most uh bizarre reaction you have received while working with do it for the home from someone um uh, actually I haven't received any bizarre reactions. Actually, it's we've mostly had we've always had positive reactions. There's no one who's been specifically bizarre. I would say, however, some guys were like, um, "Oh, it's it is a luxury to have access to uh, menstrual health, menstrual health kits, and you know, sanitary pads or like menstrual cups, etc." People actually believe that it's a luxury. and that it's completely okay for women to use cloth or sand or whatever it is but do they mean I mean, that what needs to change yeah but do they do they mean that it is a luxury and it shouldn't be is that what they meant no they believe it's an actual luxury oh <laughs> yeah <laughs> they don't think it's essential for women to be provided with sanitary pads oh my god okay that's that's weird So what are the other fields other than working with uh, women's rights what are the other fields that you work with or you touch upon like women's hygiene at least what are the other fields you touch upon with do it for the whole 
Um, apart from that, we of course had the protest against the CA and RC movement. Right. We that was major. Um, I think um, considering the organizing committee of Do It for the Hood and considering the people that I know were mostly privileged people, I do not know those many underprivileged people, and that's why I thought it was super important to start Do It for the Hood because I knew I could mobilize all of this untapped potential that the people in my surroundings have. And when we had um, this movement, of course, the CNRC movement, it had a lot of educated people. It had a lot of um, college going students. It had a lot of like proper adults, like people, you know, middle-aged people with great jobs who earn a lot of money, etc. Everybody came in and so did a lot of underprivileged people, like people who were the most affected by it, a lot of student union. Um, heads and representatives, of course, joined into the movement. So that was great. We've also had the podcasts where we talk about um, not only women's issues, but also like gender-based issues. We've also had like a podcast about um, sexual and reproductive health. I think that's super important. So we have that video up on YouTube. I think sexual and reproductive health care isn't spoken about enough in India. Even our schools don't teach us a lot of these things. So we had a podcast on that. It was great. And currently, we're, of course, focusing on ensuring that there's enough ration and sanitation kits to serve people in need. Right. I actually went through your profile and I really enjoyed. So you have this little infographic explaining what periods actually are and how it works. And I think it was pretty great because a lot of people tend to miss out on that little detail because you're so excited about uh, reading about uh, how our generals work because nobody else talks about it. Like no parents don't talk about it, family members don't talk about it, so and teachers don't talk about it. Thankfully, luckily, I had I had the privileges, you know, being around teachers who didn't really give two hoots and just said, "Okay, you have to do this. We're not skipping this chapter." So it worked. I know a lot of schools skip that part. They skip the yeah, part completely. They don't teach you where a vagina is. They're like, this is it. You read it by yourself, and then you give the exam by yourself. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't make sense. And even sexual health, you know, somewhere where having to tell someone to that it is important to wear a condom or it is important to have some form of contraception. and it is not just for pregnancies but it is also for other things it's it's become something where it's so taboo that i i don't understand it it is beyond me i think the reason why they don't inform young people enough about this and the reason they don't teach you how to do it safely is because they don't want you to do it because india is inherently a conservative country and because of that conservative culture they're ignoring the realities of the situation and they don't teach it they think if you if you don't teach it they think if you don't teach it it's not going to happen but it's actually happening and it's very problematic yeah but we're a population of a billion people so i mean what do you mean by it's not going to happen there was a little article i read about uh, gulam nabi azad uh, putting up back when he was health minister where he so as health minister he uh, installed TVs in villages so that people would uh, watch TV instead of reproducing in rural areas which i mean i can laugh about it because i'm privileged enough to be able to you know see the stupidity in that situation but at the ground reality 
it is because of the lack of education don't you think surprisingly enough that's true like in our in our i remember in our biology works when we were taught that one of the reasons why our population is so high is because of there's a lack of recreation everyone thought it was a joke and everyone laughed at it but now i realize like oh it's actually like people genuinely do it as a hobby or as a fun activity because they can't access recreation or entertainment even entertainment like even a television is a privilege of course now a lot of indian households have it because we're indian households and everyone has a tv but um it's a real problem i appreciate the health minister i appreciate the health minister for taking this into consideration and actually donating televisions to people to them to stop to tell them I to mean, stop producing but he should also be you know at least work on creating drives where you teach them about contraception and because you know we are the only species on the planet who pro- who you know have intercourse for pleasure not just for procreation really yeah i mean i don't think any other uh, as far as i know i could be wrong if any of you listening you can tell me if i'm wrong i don't know if there are any other species that uh, you know engage in coitus for uh, the purpose of uh, pleasure i have no idea about that but it's that's what india's doing and congratulations to us i guess it's a interesting activity yeah. no yeah. idea probably so what have we been up to other than uh, all of everything that we're reading and um trying to do from a limited uh, space is i think it's mostly been ensuring all the donations are going out to people and developing ration kits and um, procuring everything which is super hard during a pandemic and ensuring that our volunteers are safe so we of course have like ziaudin and padmaj and they're doing a great job cooperating with a lot of on ground organizations as well as the pune police who has actually been super helpful in the pandemic i have uh my own sets of views when it comes to the police i don't think the police are very great but at least when it comes to ensuring that everyone's getting on the shamik trains and people have passes um to move around like the volunteers have passes to you know go out there in the middle of a pandemic deliver kits to people they are doing a good job at ensuring that and i appreciate them for that right and how can people donate to do it for the hood um so it's of course my i mean right now um bank transfer is possible and so is paytm and google pay so it's it's all online um, online methods you can of course visit our instagram which is at difth_org and it has more details on how you can donate and all the proceeds are going towards ensuring um a lot of underprivileged people have access to not only ration for a month as well as um sanitary like personal feminine hygiene products but we're also currently donating um clothes and blankets and containers for water etc because people don't have that people don't have shoes or uh, i know zia ziaudin actually had someone donate shoes to um to the organization because a lot of these laborers who were traveling they didn't even have footwear so there's a lot of special needs that need to be taken into consideration when we're designing these kits and most of my free time currently has been going to that we of course had our internal assignments 
which we had to do even during lockdown um in contravention to what the cm and the ugc said so the chief minister and ugc decided was that okay if you're not having your internal assignments we'll just grade you based on your previous marks however ils decided to do otherwise and we had to submit um projects even when we didn't have access to resources which was really problematic because a lot of students who come to ils are from villages or from um backgrounds where they can't afford to have like a laptop to type down all the documents or to they won't have continuous internet or electricity access so i, I don't really appreciate a college for having a, like us to submit reports when we don't even have access to basic you know um not only electricity and like internet but also to books and educational resources what have you been up to i have been trying to organize and reorganize not just my thoughts but also my house so i've successfully decluttered about 17 years of things that i've hoarded since i moved to pune so yeah that's what i've been up to i've also been doing this and uh, this is i've finished 18 episodes so far so i'm quite surprised with myself also for sticking through i can't wait for them to go up on youtube i think it's going to be great for this to be etched in time forever yeah so i'm i'm terrified because i have to sit and edit all of it and it's just i am not very fond of uh, video editing some of my friends will vouch for that i don't know if they're watching but yeah but yeah editing. i mean i yeah sorry editing really hard that's the only reason why we um, do it for the world can't go on with the podcast etc is because finding a good video editor shooting a good video and ensuring audio and everything is in place is so hard and i have so much respect for anyone who has like a consistent podcast yeah i'm hoping i'm hoping someone just joined my friend just joined and he was a part of uh, one of my episodes and i forgot to save the video so i lost it so now i have to re-record it and uh, yeah i'm looking forward to it it was my best one it was that is so sad you like a donut no it's going to be fine it's all right but yeah i've been cooking taking things care trying to take care of things around my house trying to help out let's see i've been quite happy i don't understand I'm people bored. who talk about you know the fact that they're bored because i just refuse to believe that you can you know underestimate the capability of your mind and undermine I mean, it i'm super happy i'm in lockdown i have my internship i have all of this stuff going on with this and i get to sleep which i have definitely missed out on in my past few months in law school they been super 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 hectic and i'm yeah. i have the privilege to say this because i'm i think this lockdown taught me how grateful i am to be for having a roof over my head for food for clothes for access to medical care being able to afford all of these things they are privileges and um i'm really grateful for them more than anything i think for the next 6 months i'm not going to crib about anything i'm just going to be happy in my life i'm actually quite surprised i uh, did not i even now i don't feel like going out i i'm quite surprised with myself because i used to be someone who would always be out i'd even go out and work i i don't never liked working at home so yeah it's quite fun same generally i love being at home etc but i think now i i somehow forgotten that 
we're still in lockdown yeah. and yeah i think i'm going to end up going out somewhere and the cops are going to remind me that we're still in lockdown you should go back home amantika and i think pune at least pune people now everyone's super relaxed like there's a thousand cars on the road i don't know how it's happening i don't know what's going to happen uh to the number of cases in pune it's definitely going to shoot up and this is going to continue till december i'm convinced it's i don't know i'm i'm all right i i think uh, my music really helps me or drawing or doing stuff but yeah you i know so you have enough editing to do for the next couple of months don't remind me i don't i'm not very i'm i'm not very good at uh, getting stuff done so you know i'm trying to but let's see trying not to procrastinate anyway i'm going to wrap this up now and uh, this was a really fun talk and uh, i learned a lot and i also learned in fresh perspective about a lot of things that i've also been thinking about so thank you so much for coming on board thank you for having me this was great yeah i'm glad this was a lot of fun i'm i'm glad i finally got a rant for like 45 minutes straight and it's inspired me to like start posting videos about a lot of people ask for videos but editing is such a nightmare editing is such a nightmare i'll i'll set you up with a friend don't worry please do that i'll do that thank you see you thank you for having me sanga take care bye okay, bye so that was avantika and i hope you guys enjoyed this one and i did i mean it had a few glitches here and there if you've been watching from the beginning you know what i'm talking about uh but yeah i hope you watched this if you have any feedback please 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 send it to me you can just dm me if you're watching this and i will really really like to know what i can do better and how i can make this something bigger hopefully maybe someday but yeah i hope you enjoyed this if you have anybody you think i should bring on board let me know i will try to make it happen and uh, also i'm probably going to you know put this out soon i'm hoping that i finish a bunch of things that are on my plate right now and then i can go ahead with it so yeah thanks for joining in and bye